together to worship our God and also to hear from God's holy word. And I hope that all of you listening from home also enjoyed your time of worship. Before we look at the word of God, can we start by doing a simple and a small exercise? Uh, I want to request all of you, wherever you are seated, if you can reach into your pockets and take out your wallets. Uh, for those of our sisters, uh, could you open up your bags and take out your wallets as well? Or your purse? If all of us could just reach out into our wallets just for a brief moment as an introduction to the sermon. If you don't have your wallets, that's absolutely fine. You left it at your home or in your car, that's fine. Make sure that you drive back home safely. Well, if you look at your wallets and if you can open your wallets and if you happen to find spare change in your wallet, if you have spare change in your wallet, I want to remind all of us that we are much richer than half of the other people that is there in this world. If you have at least 10 rupees in your wallet, we are much richer than half of the people in the world. Well, if you don't have any money in your wallet, that's fine. Look through your wallet. If you see a driving license, well, that shows that you and I are privileged. If you have a driving license with you that allows us to understand that we are so privileged because we own a car. Well, if you don't have a driving license, we need to talk to you after worship is over. But you might have an Aadhaar card. You just search through. If you have a PAN card, well, that shows that you and I have an identity. Isn't it true? That we enjoy an identity. Now, for some of us, we might have a family photo or maybe a, a picture, a young photo of our spouse. Then aren't we all blessed to be in a relationship? Aren't we all blessed to be in a relationship? Now, even if you don't have any money, you don't have another card, if you don't have your license with you or you don't have a pick on your wallet, if you can at least feel your wallet, if you can see the color of your purse, well, that allows us to understand that we have been blessed with health. But what is our money, our identity, our privileges, our relationship? Talk about God's place in our lives. Let me say that again. What is our money in our wallets, our identity, our privileges, our relationship? Talk about God's place in our lives. We might be rich, we might have an identity, we might have privileges, but what does that talk about God in our lives? And so my sermon this morning from the text that was read to us will allow us to understand how you and I can become rich. But rich towards God. In today's passage, we will look about how you and I have an identity if we enjoy relationships. If there is a privilege, it is only because of God in our lives. How can one become rich towards God? Well, if you still haven't opened to that passage, please turn with me to the Gospel of Mark and chapter 10. And Brother Raj read for us from verses 17 to 22. Mark chapter 10 verses 17 to 22. Now, this incident is also mentioned, if you want to in Mark, while we make a few observations from the other passages as well. Now, please pay attention. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. Now, in order to understand the context of this passage, we need to look at the earlier portion. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 16. And in 10, verse 13 to 16, it's talking about Jesus welcoming 
the little children. Jesus saying, don't hinder the little children. Allow them to come to me. Now through that passage, Jesus illustrates that one should have childlike faith when receiving God and God's kingdom. That without childlike faith, it is impossible to receive God and God's kingdom. Now what Jesus is trying to teach there is that all who come to Jesus with a childlike trust and dependence will get free access to who God is. The only requirement to receive God into your life is childlike faith. But when you come to verses 17 to 22, we see a contrast to what Jesus is talking about. In verses 17 to 22, Jesus illustrates that one cannot inherit the kingdom of God by their own efforts, by their works, or through earthly riches. It is humanly impossible for us to enter into heaven with everything that we have inside of our wallets because these are things that you and I hold dearly to today. Isn't that true? But Jesus is saying that all who come to him without acknowledging their inability to gain eternal life outside of Christ no longer is given access. Well, if you look at Mark chapter 10, verses 17, the passage begins by introducing to us the main character. And the main character approaches the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look at what it says. Now, even though Mark says, uh, a man, verses 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. Well, even though Mark says a man, when you read Matthew and Luke, they add these descriptions to the person. They say, a wealthy, young, and influential man. That's how the other gospel writers mention about him. A wealthy, young, influential man. And these are things that you and I can relate to today. You and I are some of these things right now. He was wealthy. He was young. And he was of influence because in Luke it says he was a ruler. Now wealth and influence was surely something he achieved through his years of hard work, years of labor. And he thought that receiving God, his kingdom and eternal life could also be achieved through labor and hard work. Now listen to this. His confidence came from his possessions. He commanded because of his position and he concentrated on his privileges. Now this is greed. This is greed, brothers and sisters. And greed is very dangerous and the Bible says greed is sin. This is a trap that even believers can fall into. That you and I can also become overwhelmed with our riches, with our jobs, with our ministry, with our studies, with our position in society, our standing in our family. And it is a trap that many believers have fallen into. In the Gospel of Luke in chapter 12 and verses 15, Jesus warns us against all kinds of greed. Listen to what he says, Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So how can we protect ourselves greed? And how can we work towards having a healthy appetite towards God? How can you and I 
become rich towards God. Well, let me highlight three simple truths from this passage. Three simple truths that will allow us to understand how you and I can grow rich towards God. How can you and I grow rich towards God? Three simple things. Number one, look at the passage. We ought to have a holy understanding of God. We ought to have a holy understanding of God. Now in the passage when the rich young man addresses Jesus as good teacher, how does Jesus reply? Look at the passage. Jesus replies by saying, why do you call me good? You know that no one is good except God. You know only God is good. So in order to become rich towards God, you and I ought to have a holy understanding of who God is. That is very important for us. Well, what does it mean to understand who God is? Understand his character. The word of God reveals to us God's character. And understanding God's character from God's holy word will allow us to begin to become rich. Have a healthier image of who God actually is. Understand God's character. God is good in the passage, which means God is perfect. God alone is the standard of goodness. There is no one good like God. Well, that is the character of God in the Bible. But God, it's not just about his character. We need to understand that God is the creator. Not only is God good, but whatever he does is also... Come on, church. Not only is God good, but whatever he does is also... It is good. In the book of Genesis and chapter 1, when God created the universe, when he created mankind, when he created all that was in the earth, when God saw it, he said that it is. It is good. God not only is good, but God can only do good. Isn't that true? He created man so that he can enjoy a good relationship with man. The word of God reminds us in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verses 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Well, if God is good, Jobin, then why is there evil, pain, and sorrow in this world? Jobin, if God was in control and if God was good, why did this, why did this year turn out to be the year that it is? Well, that is because you and I expect God to behave in a certain way. True? You and I think that we can twist the arm of God and make him do what we want him to do. Respond in the way we want him to respond. But no, this is not possible. In order to enjoy a holy understanding of God, we ought to thank him when life is good and learn to trust him when life is tough. I'll say that again. In order to enjoy a holy understanding of God, we should thank him when life is good and learn to trust him when life is tough. Well, that is what it means to grow in our understanding of who God is. Not to question and say why, but to say, Lord, I can't make sense of this, but I am going to trust in you. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verses 14, the word of God says, When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider, God has made the one as well as the other. God is not the author of evil, but he surely allows evil. 
He surely allows it. He is sovereign even at that point. Why does God allow it? Because being God, he knows the future and he will only do what is the best for us. Therefore, you and I should learn to trust him. From the pit to the prison, from the prison to the palace, Joseph responds to his brothers by saying, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for, for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Genesis chapter 50 and verses 20. When tempted by his wife to curse God, Job replied, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Job chapter 2 and verses 10. Remember this, brothers and sisters, and those of you listening from home. Tough times always have a purpose. Tough situations always have a purpose. But it will be beyond our human reasoning and understanding. So believe in God and understand that in God you can be confident. Well, it doesn't mean that we have solutions to what we are going through right now or have answers for what you and I might be struggling in. But learn to trust and believe in God. Now maybe you are hearing about God for the very first time or you've heard enough about God and yet haven't made a decision to believe in him. Well, if there is someone sitting like, sitting like that here this morning or at home listening to us, would you take a moment and think about your relationship with God? And for those of us who believe in God, has this year, the pandemic, tough situations that you and I have gone through, such as loss of job, loss of a loved one, loss of health, delay in marriage, caused us to grow closer with God? Or has it helped us to grow in our understanding of who God is? Probably some of us have grown cold in our relationship with God. We feel that God is distant, uncaring, and unloving. Let me encourage you to seek God with all your heart, to restore your relationship with God, and have a holy understanding of who God is. We can understand who God is by understanding his character. We can understand that he is the creator. And we can understand that in him, you and I can become confident. We not... We not only should have a holy understanding of who God is, but number two, secondly from the passage, we ought to have an honest understanding of ourselves. Not just a holy understanding of who God is, but an honest understanding of ourselves. Now look at verses 19 to 20. How does Jesus respond to the question? Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Why do you think he replied in this way? When Jesus was talking about how good God is and how God alone is good, I believe personally that the man was implying that because he was able to maintain the law, that he too is also, that he too is also, is good. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't you know Jesus, that from the time I was in my Sunday school, I graduated I was the first prize winner, elocution competition. I did it all. You know what, Jesus? I am good. 
That is why you and I should have an honest understanding of ourselves. Because this is very dangerous. The problem that humanity faces today is that we think that we are good, that we can do good, and the good that we do is acceptable before God. Isn't that true? Haven't you and ourselves, uh, myself patted ourselves many a times and said, good job, Jobin, nobody could have done it better than you. But we cannot. Your good, my good is not good enough. It is not good enough when compared to the standard or the goodness of God. Without God, it becomes humanly impossible to do anything. And it was this thought, it was the thought that we can make it on our own without God that led to the downfall of man in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, in the book of Genesis. Let me create the scene for us. Genesis chapter 3 verses 6. You can turn to that portion. Look at what it says. Genesis chapter 3 verses 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Well, because of that, Romans chapter 3 and verses 10 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one there. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. And that's why Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, friends, look at the graph. It's spiraling downwards. Well, since you and I are born in sin, we cannot please God and we have believed the lie that we can. We have begun to adopt that lie into our lives that we can. To think that we can do things on our own, it means to become confident of our own righteousness. The rich young man in Mark chapter 10 verses 17 is talking about a ritualistic practice that has no meaning and no significance. And for some of us, this has become the significance even when we come to church. Even when we attend Bible studies, even when we do our quiet times. We do it because it is a ritualistic habit for us so that you and I have believed this lie that as long as I read my Bible, I personally put a smile on the face of God. That as long as I give that I am the one who makes God happy. A ritualistic practice without meaning and no significance. You know, doesn't he sound like the Pharisee in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 18 and verses 11? Listen to this. The Pharisee stood up and he prayed about himself. That's what the Bible says. He prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, adulterers or even even like this tax collector I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get I confess I have spoken like the Pharisee and behaved like the rich young man and there are many times that I have myself taken credit and times when the praise of man was more appealing to me 
And if you can relate to what I am going through, or if you are stuck in that place, and if you feel that your relationship with God is not a right relationship, then maybe together we can pray like the psalmist. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Psalm 51 and verses 17. The term broken and contrite in that passage means crushed. And the person is crushed because of the full understanding of sin and the willingness to confess. That is why he is crushed. Because he understands, she begins to realize that I am full of sin, but I am willing to repent. As Paul says in Romans chapter 7 verse 24, what a wretched man I am. What a horrible man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And how does that verse end? Thanks be to God through, through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a beautiful verse. If this, was, if this verse was not there in the Bible, I do not know what you and I would have done. Because that then leads me to the third point. Not only should we have a holy understanding of God, not only an honest understanding of ourselves, but we ought to have an honoring understanding of Jesus Christ. We ought to have an honest, we should have, a, we should have an honoring understanding of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice what we heard throughout the entire morning when our brothers shared. The songs that we sang, all of these remind us is that if we can do anything, it is only because of Jesus Christ. That we ought to have an honoring understanding of who Jesus is. Verses 18, going back to what Jesus replied. Why do you call me good? Jesus says, no one is good except God alone. Now look at this verse. What is Jesus trying to say here? Why do you call me good when you know that only God is good? You know that God alone is good. And when you call me good, are you saying I am God? Are you willing to believe that I am God? And if I am God, are you willing to give up everything and come follow me? And that's what Jesus tells the rich young man. Jesus declares himself to be God. Well, Jesus is God. He was always God, even before the foundation of this world. God who chose to come into the world and become man so that he could pay the penalty of our sin on the cross so that sinners, when they repent, they can approach God and be restored in their relationship with him. Listen to me, brothers and sisters, friends, if you're logging in for the very first time, this is the gospel and this is purely the work of God through Christ. This is the gospel and this is purely the work of God through Christ. Well, Sujay reminded us rightly from that passage and I just want to read it again. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from ourselves, it is the Gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Dear friends, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus? 
believed in him as your personal Lord and Savior, sure that you are saved, that even if today was your last day on this earth, that you would be with Jesus immediately. Well, that if there is anyone here, if you are watching us right now, and if you've not yet made that decision, would you please reach out to any one of us in the church, and we would love to help you. But I want us all to also understand that once we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, once we have placed our faith and trust in God through Jesus, Christ then gives me the grace to enjoy salvation. Listen to me. Christ decreases my need for sin. And this is what a daily walk with the Lord Jesus looks like. This is the work of Christ. Christ then begins to work in me and through me Christ is the one who helps me understand my inability to do anything and yet the ability to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4 and verses 13. Christ is the one who shows me his desire by allowing me to fully comprehend. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 13. Christ teaches me through the daily reading, meditation of God's word, that since, you say it along with me, that since all scripture is, God breathes, it is therefore useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. You and I ought to have an honoring understanding of Jesus Christ. If it was not for the work of Christ on the cross, you and I have no standing before God, the Heavenly Father. Verses 21 and 22. <clears throat> Verses 21 and 22. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Look at the negatives that is mentioned in this verse, right? Look at the negative. There was one thing that he lacked. Jesus said that. His face fell. Jesus said that. He was sad, and the most saddening thing of all, he, he went away. He went away. He went away from Jesus. He went away from God because he felt that Jesus could not satisfy him. Indirectly, he was telling Jesus, you know what, God? You are not enough. Jesus is not enough. Now, now notice what the man replies to Jesus, even though earlier... He mentions that he had kept all the commandments. God, don't you know that I have done all these things since I was a child? In verse 22, when Jesus talks about his great wealth, I want you to understand one thing. In fact, wealth was his God. Wasn't wealth his God? And by wealth becoming his God, he broke the first few commandments that is actually mentioned there. Forget about adultery. Forget about murder. His heart was not loyal towards God because more than God, he had the picture of wealth in his heart, his mind, 
and his soul. He was devoted to his wealth more than God. He loved it more, so much so that he could not give it all away. And look at how Jesus responds, right? In that verse, so beautifully in verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and, and loved him. He loved him. Jesus looks at us today. And Jesus loves us too. What is the one thing that we lack today? And how does the gospel help me understand God, myself, and the Lord Jesus Christ? To this I hold. My hope is only Jesus. For my life is holy, bound to him. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. All is mine yet, not I, but to Christ in me. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, we confess this morning that many a times, like the rich young man, we find ourselves in your presence. We've babbled about our achievements, our victories, our earthly prizes, riches, thinking that we can claim eternal life, that it depends on us. And we thank you for the reminder from God's word of who you are, Father, and how we ought to look at ourselves through the Lord Jesus Christ, your beloved Son and our Savior. Father, in the light of God's holy word, we pray that you would open our hearts and expose our sins to reveal that one thing we lack so that we can give it all up, give it all away and follow you wholeheartedly. Father, we thank you for the promises in God's word. We pray that you would allow us to grow in our belief and trust of who you are. And we thank you also for the reminder that you are to return soon. And if you are to return today, what a joy. What a privilege for us to see you face to face. And and Lord, if you choose to tarry for reasons known only to you, we pray that each of us in the light of your coming would live under the truth of what we've heard from God's word. Yet not us, but through Christ alone. We thank you, we praise you. All this we ask in the name of our soon coming Savior and King. Amen.